I want to speak to baptism for a moment, and I am partially speaking specifically to Adrian and Alison, partially, it's, they're getting baptized today, uh, but I'm speaking to all of us as well, I'm speaking to all of us as well, and I want to uh, read uh, a passage of scripture from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 3 verses 13 to 4 verse 11. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Let me read it to you. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. This is God's word to us. And our passage today has two pretty clear parts to it, doesn't it? As clear as you are all sitting before me in two parts. Uh, There is Jesus' baptism, followed by Jesus' temptation, is there not? And I want to have two questions, one for each of them. Why? Why was Jesus baptized? And why was Jesus tempted? And that word for tempted can mean tested as well, so I might use them interchangeably. And I hope that we will see that the answer to both of these questions, these why questions, is in fact the same. There is in fact one answer, and it has to do uh, with these two ladies who are going to get baptized today. It has to do with how they can be right with God. It has to do with how anyone, anyone at all, can be right with God. As young as you are, as old as you are, whether you're here in little old Waipak, whether you're in South America, North America, in Russia, in Europe, in Africa, in Asia, or anywhere, how you can be right with God. 
And it has the most amazing promise for us. The most amazing promise. But back to our passage. And just as our passage comes right at the start of the Gospel of Matthew, so it comes right at the start of Jesus' public ministry. If you know the Gospel of Matthew, we're in chapter 3. Before this, there has been Jesus' birth narrative, how he was born. There's a bit of a gap from there. And then there's where we are. Jesus starting his public ministry. And John the Baptist, uh, you may be able to work out, gets his name, his title, from the fact that he baptized people. Uh, that is sort of what he was known for. But the reason, the reason he baptized people was that he called people far and wide to come back to God. He called them all, great and small, to repent and turn to God, for now, now is the time to turn to God and to trust him. And so John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. His baptism showed people's humility before God. They weren't relying on themselves. They were looking to God. John's baptism showed people's sorrow and regret for their sin before God. It showed their trust in God and it showed their commitment and obedience as best they could to live in God's ways. And then Jesus turns up to John and asks to be baptized by him. And we need to know that that John, John the Baptist, he knows Jesus. He knows Jesus somewhat, but hear me here, he doesn't actually know Jesus as well as you. And that might surprise you but it's true. Jesus knows, sorry, John, I'm getting them confused. John knows that Jesus is from God. He knows that. He calls Jesus in another place, the Lamb of God. John knows that Jesus is great. He knows that Jesus is far greater than he is. Again, in another place, he says of Jesus that he John is not worthy to untie Jesus' sandals. I mean, that's a statement, isn't he? He knows that Jesus is great. But I'd wager you actually know more about Jesus than John does. Because you see, the thing is, John knows all of this about Jesus. And here Jesus turns up and asks to be baptized, and this seems so back to front to John, so back to front. I shouldn't be baptizing you, Jesus. You should be baptizing me. And the thing is, John is right. Jesus has no reason, none, to repent. Zero reason. Jesus is perfect. He has nothing to repent of, not a single sin or wrong. Jesus has obeyed God in everything, every thought, every word, every action. So why is Jesus asking to be baptized? Not only is this back to front for Jesus to ask John to baptize him, but isn't it also redundant then? And well, the answer is there's more going on, more than John knows about, but actually something you probably know about. And thankfully, Jesus gives John and us the answer to his question. In verse 15, Jesus tells John, replies to John's objections, to baptizing him, saying, Let it be so now, 
it is proper for us to do this, for you to baptize me, to fulfill all righteousness. Remember that phrase, to fulfill all righteousness. Because while John knew that Jesus was from God, he did not know what Jesus's mission was. The thing is, I bet you do. He did not know what Jesus's mission on earth would look like. He did not know where it was going. And where is it going? The cross. Jesus's mission is to go to the cross. And he knew this. Jesus knew this already. But he was the only one. We shouldn't pick on John for not knowing. No one else knew either. Jesus was the only one. And so when Jesus is baptized, he's not repenting of any sin. Instead, he is identifying with us. He is starting his mission to save us. And that starts by identifying with those who do repent and are baptized. We see here at the start of Jesus' ministry something that we will see ultimately fulfilled at the end of his ministry on the cross. Here in his baptism, he is identifying with those who will humble themselves and repent before God. And then at the end of his life on earth, we will see him on a cross taking the sins of those who will humble themselves and repent before God. Yes, he is the one who will lay down his life to fulfill righteousness for those who will repent. Today we have two people being baptized. Their baptism is a baptism of repentance before God, just like John's, just like John the Baptist's. But we know more. It's also different. Their baptism today is a baptism of repentance in Jesus' name. We ask to be right with God through Jesus. He is the only way we can be right with God. He is the one who gives us the righteousness we need. He is the one who fulfills righteousness for us. Today we baptize not just saying sorry to God, but taking hold of Jesus as our righteousness, as your righteousness, Adrian and Alison. So why, why was Jesus tempted then? And as I said right at the start, well, the answer's the same. To fulfill all righteousness, to fulfill righteousness for us, for Adrian, for Alison, for me, and for anyone who will believe. And in Matthew 4 verse 1, we're told that then, this is immediately after his baptism, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the Spirit. The Gospel of Mark puts it even more bluntly. In the Gospel of Mark 1 verse 12, it says, at once the Spirit sent him, sent Jesus out into the wilderness. And this is sort of astounding, isn't it? In Jesus' baptism, he's had this this amazing moment, the Holy Spirit comes upon him and there is God's declaration over him of his love, of his joy in Jesus. What's the very next thing to do? Out into the wilderness, led by the Spirit. 
Jesus has started his mission and he is on the mission. He is identifying with us. He is identifying with sinners. Because that's what he's going to do. He's going to take their sin on. But he cannot take our sin on as someone who is sinful himself. And so he is led, led out into the wilderness. And we see a couple of things here in the wilderness, a couple of things that mightn't be clear, I admit, if you don't know the rest of your Bible. We see a couple of contrasts. And the first contrast, as Jesus goes into the wilderness, is with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, if you know from Genesis 3, the first people, God's creation, there in Eden, a garden of plenty. They have everything. Everything is theirs except one thing. And what do they do? When tempted once, they take the one thing. And it's a contrast here, isn't it? Here is Jesus, a new Adam. Not in a garden of plenty. In the wilderness with, with nothing. And he is hungry. And he's not just tempted once. He's tempted three times. He's tested and then tested and then tested again. And where they fail, Jesus does not. There's another contrast as well, if you know a bit more of your Old Testament. God's people, the Israelites, they come out of slavery in Egypt and they're going to this promised land and they get really, really close to this promised land that God has promised them. And then they really let God down. They don't trust God. They're scared again. And along this way, they've done a few other things as well. They've grumbled against God. They've tested God. They've made idols. These are God's people. (laughs) Bit of a lesson there. And so God sends them into the wilderness for 40 years. Do you remember this? Here is Jesus in the wilderness for, not 40 years, 40 days and nights, we're told. And he is faithful for 40 days and 40 nights. And I know 40 days and 40 nights is a lot less than 40 years. I know that. But I know if I'm hungry for about a day, I get hangry. I do. I'm not proud of that. Uh, My decisions are not my best. I'm not saying that I would sell my mother for a meal. Maybe a child. But here is Jesus. 40 days, 40 nights. And he is faithful to God as he is tested again and again and again. Oh, Adrian and Alison, there are lessons here, lessons in this passage as Jesus is tempted. For you, for all of us, we do not live on bread alone. It's important, but we do not live on bread alone. We live on every word that comes from God. He is the one who guides our life. And oh yes, we are going to be tempted at times to test God. We are going to be tempted to test God. And we need to remember that when we are tested, not to test Him. And oh yes, we are going to be tempted, tempted to find worth and value in other things, to worship other things in His place. And we need to remember that before all else, We do indeed love God. We worship him and him alone. Yes, there are lessons here in this passage of Jesus' temptation, but they're not the main point. 
The main point is that where Adam and Eve have failed, where the Israelites failed in the wilderness, and quite frankly, where any of us would fail and we do fail today, Jesus has not. He, he will fulfill your righteousness, my righteousness, and anyone's righteousness. This is the main point. His faithfulness is tested and proven. And when the days come when we are tested, and unfortunately we fail the test, which we all do, don't we? We know who we rely on. We knew it yesterday, but I need to know it today, and I need to know it tomorrow, that my life is found in him. It is found nowhere else. He and he alone is my righteousness, your righteousness, and the righteousness for this world. His is a righteousness without end, and there, there to be received, if we will but take it. If we will humble ourselves and take it. Today, Adrian and Alison, we see you being obedient to God's call. We do. And we know that obedience is in part, as all of our obedience is. But we see you holding on to the one who is perfectly obedient. Perfectly obedient for you and I perfectly obedient for this world. And what a sure and certain hope that is. What a promise that is. What a place to live from that is. That he is indeed the way, the truth, and the life for you and for me as well. I want to do something here, a little risky. I'm asking you to join in. Do you know the hymn, What? can wash away my sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Yeah, do you know it? I want you to sing it with me. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon this I see, Nothing but the blood of Jesus For my cleansing, this my plea Nothing but the blood of Jesus Oh, precious is the flow That makes me white as snow No I know nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone. 
Nothing but the blood of Jesus, naught of good that I have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Words from a long ago. Words that are true this day and words that we are going to celebrate in this pool. Let's have some baptisms.